0: The Lifestylist, episode 40, featuring Rafi Dillian. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Mic check one, two. This is Luke Story bringing you another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is Rafi Dillian, founder of Omica Organics. He's one of my favorite guys on the health scene. He's a master formulator and just all around mad scientist. He's got an amazing body of knowledge and a commitment to excellence that is unparalleled. I love his company, I love his products, and more than anything, I love his message. Dude is deep. So in this episode, we cover a lot of ground. Essentially, we're talking about a lot of the mysteries around water Uh, How to tell the difference between dead and living water, how to bring your water back to life, what makes for the best shower filter in the world and why you need one, the missing ingredient of human connection in our society and in our family structure and how that affects us negatively, how to survive a snake bite, why steam rooms are toxic and should be avoided at all costs, you know, that steam room you think you're getting healthy in in the gym, yeah, not so much. The dirty little secrets of the stevia industry and why I only use Omica brand stevia. Listen, you gotta listen to this episode just for this alone. If you're trying to go no sugar or low sugar in terms of your diet and you've tried other, you know, non-sugar sweeteners or you've tried stevia and think you don't like it, it's probably because it's probably It's probably because I can't talk. No, it's probably because you've had some whack inferior stevia. This part of the health industry, the stevia part, is really shady, and so he breaks down all the dirty little secrets of that plant and how it is marketed to us. We also discussed the hidden glycerin in your health food and why you might want to avoid it and how to avoid being scammed by inferior turmeric and curcumin supplements. There's a lot of stuff on the market. And of course, as with all stuff in this industry, there's a lot of shady stuff going on behind the scenes. The dangers of mold and other pathogens in powdered superfoods. You're dropping all this coin at the health food store thinking you're getting this healthy stuff and you might not be. So how to avoid toxic contaminants in your supplements. And then as, you know, as I do looking at both sides of it, we talk about how food paranoia can actually be worse for you than eating junk food. I know I'm kind of going in both directions here. I want you to avoid, you know, putting toxic stuff in your body, but if you get too crazy about it, then that becomes toxic emotionally. So we talk about how to find a balance there and the proper protocol for taking magnesium foot baths. The importance of making sure your mineral supplements are kosher, very interesting point there. And then the myths about water opening and closing your pores. So I always thought that when you get in warm water, your pores open and it's good to let stuff in and vice versa. And he's got some interesting information about that. So all in all, this is a very cool interview. It's one I've been wanting to do for a long time and I'm really grateful to bring it to you. So we've got Rafi Dillian today dropping some serious knowledge on you. I'd love for you to go over to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter on my homepage. When you do that, here's what happens. I email you the show notes and all the stuff we talk about in every episode every week, as well as any new discoveries or videos that I'm producing. So you'll see in this interview today, there's like tons of links and different things that we talk about. You're going to be listening to it going, oh shit, what did he say? How am I going to remember this? Dog, you don't have to remember anything. Just get on my newsletter and I'm going to send it to you on a weekly basis. You'll also find it at LukeStory.com. An area where you can make a donation. If you'd like to support the podcast and give one, two, three, four, five dollars, it would be super helpful. We're into 2017 now, looking to make this show at least solvent in the very near future. uh, As I'm on episode uh, 40 now, and um, you know, gearing up to number 50, which I'm really excited about. So anything you can do to help would be great. Get over to LukeStory.com forward slash support, or just get over there and get on my newsletter, okay? And if you want to follow some of the crazy hijinks that i've got going i'm really beefing up my instagram account lately i do a lot of instagram stories and just documenting the crazy world that i live in so if you want to get to know me a little better you can go over there and say what's up last thing i want to tell you about is don't forget to check in next tuesday for episode number 41 with natural movement guru katie bowman thanks so much for listening and enjoy the interview Today's show is brought to you by Human Charger, one of my favorite little pieces of biohacking technology. The Human Charger is sun in your pocket. I use it for alertness, for focus, for mood improvement when I'm not getting enough direct sun. And the way this works is you plug in this little device. It's kind of like a mini little iPod. It's got a couple earbuds. You put those in your ear. They send this very specific frequency of white light into your brain through the ear canal and tells your brain, hey, we're getting sun. So in 12 minutes a day, you can get the sun that you need in order to produce serotonin, dopamine, noradrenaline, all the stuff that gives you mental alertness, improves your mood, increases your energy levels, stuff that you get when you go out into the sun. You know what I'm saying? But my favorite thing about it is it really minimizes the effects of jet lag, which is something I struggle with a lot. Like my body does not like to travel. So the human charger comes with a little um, iPhone app and you put the travel dates and times into the app, and then the app tells you when to use the device. It's really cool. So essentially, it sort of tricks your brain into changing time zones when you want it to, not when your body is. Hard to explain, it's a little geeky, but it's an awesome device, and I use it all the time. I've got one in my car, I have one on my couch, I have one in my office. It's one of my favorite things to carry around. So if you wanna check it out, go back to episode 28, which is all about jet lag. Once you're convinced and you want to look into it further, all you have to do is go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke. And when you're there, use the discount code story20 to save 20% off your order. That's humancharger.com forward slash Luke. Rafi Dillian has been associated with the Omica Organics brand as research and development director for the past 15 years. His background is in biodynamic farming with an emphasis in agronomy and chemistry. Rafi brings extensive global understanding and expertise, key to fostering Omica's vital sourcing and production relationships in India and the Far East. Welcome to the Lifestylist, Rafi. Thank you, Luke.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, man. It's great to see you again. Every time I see you, we have these amazing in-depth chats, and every single time I'm going, God, I wish I was recording this, because you're a a wealth of knowledge on so many different topics, so I'm excited now. I have a recorder. I can see it's actually working. It's counting down. The red light's flashing, so I'm going to capture some of your experience and wisdom, so thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So first off, I want to ask you, what... New projects or products or things are you working on right now that you're excited about? Like, what's your latest development in your lab or in your life?
1: Well, water is one. I've been involved with water for some time. When the company first started, we started with Schauberger and uh, Living Egg. So now that's evolved, we have given up on the egg project uh, about eight years ago. And we were one of the first companies that started the Living Egg Project. I don't know if you remember. I
0: wanted one of those, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The yeah. idea being that water, when you store water for drinking in your home, that it remains stagnant and that's not good because in nature water keeps moving. Is that the idea? Correct,
1: correct. And that's the, the crux of it. To really, for water to move, you have to have an egg or a container that is not glazed. And if the container is not glazed, it can potentially uh, incubate yeast mold and bacteria, which means you have to maintain it. And that seemed to become a bit of a liability for us as the company grew. Uh, of course, to really bring water back to life, you need at least seven to eight parameters. The moving is just one of them. And the egg achieved at least four of those parameters, which was really amazing and is amazing. And that's how water was incubated. That's how most liquids and even sometimes legumes were stored for long periods of time in the ancient times. And not even that ancient, even a few hundred years past when... Refrigeration, air conditioning was not available. And uh, what the eggs provided was the darkness that water needs, its ability to stay cold, because when it's not glazed, the conduction cooled the entire jar and the periphery inside. Um, And the third uh, parameter is movement inside. And that's the part that's very interesting. And, And all we need at the end of the day is just a little bit of wind and shade. You could be in a 100-degree climate in the desert, but if you found a little bit of shade and wind, you could chill your water. And the way you could do that was when this uh, unit uh, was chilled, the periphery on the inside was the coldest. So that's the part that touches the water. And the water in the middle was not as cold as the water on the sides. So the difference in temperature created the movement inside. And at that point, it depended, if you had the perfect egg, then you had much better spiral. So depending which way you had the unit, it would either turn this way or the other. And there's little technicalities what that meant for the water but overall that movement kept the water alive so you have to keep the water dark cold it has to breathe and it has to move so the egg provided that and it's just incredible for such little investment you had a unit that could last you a lifetime without refrigeration and then you needed three more elements of course you have to have water that's clean and filtered or at least a, a decent spring water, even spring water, if it stayed stagnant, it would eventually go to sleep and even die. So to bring back to life any water, especially reverse osmosis or distilled water, we also needed carbons, soil bacteria, and electrolytes. So a fulvic acid combination is a perfect remedy for the next three stages. And then the seventh stage is time. And people don't seem to understand that. They feel, well, I can add an element to my water and it brings it back to life. Well, no, it doesn't. All you're getting is carbon-bonded electrolytes. You're getting a drop of supplement in a glass of water. It's like adding a drop of yogurt starter in milk. If you drink it without incubating you're just getting a drop of starter in milk. For the milk to come back to life, you need all the conditions, and the conditions for yogurt are just a little different, but the parameters overall are the same. You have to wait and for the incubation to do its magic.
0: Okay, so this is this is very interesting, and we just jumped right into <laughs> a pretty deep topic, and one of my absolute favorites, which is water. I mean, to me, this is the number one health food. Everyone is very concerned about what diet you're on and eating this or that. But to me, the water is what we're fundamentally mostly made of, our blood, our lymph, I mean, all of the fluids in our body. So when you're talking about bringing the water back to life, just so people understand that, in my perception at least, that water coming from nature, like I go collect my own spring water from the mountains or I have a friend that delivers it cold in darkness and it's protected like wine, right? And people think I'm nuts for doing this, but to me that water has life force just for this simple fact that if you take a bottle of water that has not been hit with UV, ultraviolet light, ozone, it hasn't been purified in any way, just natural spring water in a glass bottle and you put it outside, it's going to grow algae, because right. it has life force and DNA in it, right? But if you take like even this great, um, what's this crystal? God, I can never remember the name of this great bottled water they have. Um, <laughs> it's from Shasta. It's coming to me. Nope, can't have it. Anyway, really good water. But if you take that, just because it's been hit with UV light to sterilize it, according to the laws of California FDA or whatever, it won't grow anything. It's, it's essentially dead water. Castle Rock, that's the water. Yeah, it just came to me. Which is beautiful, amazing water for bottled water, but what you're talking about is taking water that's technically, you know, dead so to speak and doesn't have that life life force but using this technology to reinvigorate that Correct. that water. So, have you is there an update on on that process or that product right now? I
1: don't think we will go back into it. There's a few nonprofits that I've worked with where I've introduced the concepts and uh, And I've assisted them, and they're working on... I think it's a perfect project for a nonprofit. Right. The liability is too great.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point about it. You know, because it does have that life force, too, there's the potential for mold and yeast and all this stuff because it's it's dark, it's closed off. It's like the perfect incubator for the things you don't want in your water, which is interesting.
1: And what's interesting is a, a lot of people I noticed, and even friends that I respect, they were not maintaining their eggs, Right, so it would eventually develop a, a, a white sediments on the outside, and uh, because you needed the basics, which is airflow, and they would end up putting them in their kitchen and their offices, and in time it would start developing problems. yeah, yeah. But it needs to be outdoors, you need to put it in your balcony, and you have to maintain it once a month, and if you don't.
0: And <laughs> you have a problem. And you, and you have to really, I think, be a fanatic of water. I mean, I'm pretty fanatical. I made these Mylar covers that I keep my spring water in. Like, I get it from the mountain. I immediately make it dark and cold as I can. It's not refrigerated, but it definitely is not getting any light. And again, people come to my house. They go, "What are all those tinfoil things?" I go, "You wouldn't, you wouldn't understand." You know, the only thing you're not achieving there is the air. Is the flow. totally? It's totally cut off. Yeah, it's, the bottles are closed off. And then once it goes on the dispenser, like I just have a regular. Ceramic dispenser and it's it's not getting any air at all. The only time it moves is when I remove, you know, fill up a glass or something. Then I'm sure it's. But as long around. as you drank that within three days, it
1: wouldn't go to sleep. And if you didn't drink it within eight to ten days, then it will actually die. Right. So even if you got the best spring water and it was stored even in darkness, if it's stored for long periods of time, it will die. Right. And then lastly, when you have an element like this, you can charge it with vibration and intention. Then it could become even more interesting. Right. So that vessel becomes the vessel for your family. So it bonded the family.
0: Wow, that's Even cool. the
1: cooking, All everything was a ceremony in the past. Now that ceremony that brought the family together is just not there anymore. The television is our... <laughs> actually. It not is Not in my house. <laughs> <the> children.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Once
1: that happens, then the children are not connected to the parents any longer. So the, the eating, the drinking, uh, the storytelling is just not there to unite the family.
0: That brings me to an interesting point. I was listening to an interview with a guy named uh, Gabor Mate recently and he's based in Canada and he's an expert in addiction and alcoholism from which I am recovering personally for many years now. And he spoke about the, the disintegration of the family unit from going back to hunter-gatherer tribes where a, an infant is held you know, from the time they're a baby by every member of the tribe. And they're constantly in human contact and touch. And there are these rituals around cooking food and eating food and ceremonies and song and dance and storytelling. That's what natural humans have kind of evolved to do. And he had this, um, or has a a theory that most people have suffered sort of a, um, not an acute trauma, but a more subtle trauma of being cut off. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, I didn't have dinners in my home where we all ate together. I mean, I never had like the nuclear family and that kind of closeness. And I think it did negatively impact me as a baby and as a kid, divorced parents, like there weren't like. A lot of holidays spent together. There was no emphasis on family. And even now as an adult, I have a friend who's um, Persian Jewish and he's from the UK and his family, they all get together all the time and eat meals and yeah. they're all very close and loving. And I look at that and to me, it's strange because I never experienced that. And right. I think I think we really are missing, you know, that element of of that family yeah. unit.
1: That's a big subject and it's very interesting. Even though the family you experience and you saw the love in the family, that doesn't mean there's no tension in the family. That doesn't mean there's no tension between the father and the mother. But very often, they will work it out for the sake of the children. And that's something that doesn't happen in the West. Uh, Because when the parents divorce, uh, that sacredness is lost. Because for the children, the parents are more than just lovers. They are sacred. And that sacredness has to stay in them through their own, till infinity. Because there's a certain portal that's created within that family and within the tribe. But the tribe has gone through changes, through evolution, but the family still can stay together. Now, of course, you have to mature and move on, but in your psyche, as you dream, your parents are still there, and they're very sacred, especially if they're still together. When they're separated, uh, that... Uh, purity is just not there anymore And that's very important for the psyche of the child That's really not appreciated yeah. So very often if a partner is caught cheating Or something happens uh, very, I, I most often will advise the other partner Just to work with it Just go with it And eventually it will come back Don't break the relationship Something bad happened one time or two times. If there's any chance, even if it's 10%, and don't walk away from it, because the children will suffer. It's not you may not suffer as much, but your children will.
0: Yeah, and then later in life, you will probably suffer because your kids are going to be maniacs. You know, they probably have developmental and behavioral problems. It doesn't help because
1: then the children are more apt. To leave yeah, their partners.
0: Right, right. Because that's what they've experienced. Right. Yeah. It's a pattern. Yeah. All right. So I wanna I ju- I wanna <laughs> jump. We I love <laughs> how we just like whoosh. that's what's fun about doing a show like this is there's no rules. We can just meander off any trail we want. But I, I do wanna um, just because I'm curious and I think the audience would be curious, how did you get into being this alchemist and you know, um working with your company and developing such um, innovative products? Like how did you come to have a lab and do all this research and all the stuff that I, I definitely want to cover. What what, what did you do in I'm your former life? I'm not sure if life?
1: there's any... Uh, well, I'm not sure what I did in former life. I've always been interested in health and nutrition. I never fit in in my family. Uh, even though we've, we love each other, my siblings, my parents, I was always an outsider. So I'm not exactly sure. Of course, we don't know exactly who our, what our previous incarnations were. Um, but uh, I've always been interested also in philosophy and theology and mythology in a, in a manner that most people are not. But I found early on, uh, of course, interest in health and nutrition, water and air. But I also uh, realized that very often, eight out of 10, sometimes nine out of 10 chronic illnesses are due to spiritual uh, illnesses that eventually develop in time to chronic illnesses. So, for of course, for those people eating patterns and the supplements they consume and the water and air they drink is much more critical than a healthy person. So, of course, we all need supplements, but I also always emphasize that uh, a spiritual balance is critical. Yeah. You can't just assume that eating good food and the right foods and the right supplements are going to allow you to live to be hundred or live a comfortable uh, uh, older age, but uh, <clears throat> so, and I've come into to that conclusion more and more in life. But that doesn't stop me from uh, innovating uh, new products, new ideas, and in water, I, I feel is incredible because it's the cheapest, most important thing we could do is water that we drink, and yet people are very. Uh, lazy, I would say, about the concept of what they shower with and what they drink. Now there's more emphasis on water, drinking water, but still uh, less and less on what we shower. And uh, and shower water took more interest to me, so I started working with a shower filter first seven years ago. Now we're getting into more drinking water. But uh, the reason I felt shower filter was more critical because through our skin, the water and the gases in the shower can affect our etheric and even our astral body, whereas drinking water does not as much. So when you're administering homeopathy to a patient, if you administer that on their skin in certain places, you can get a faster effect, specifically more on the etheric level, if it's an emotional problem, than you would if you gave a 30x or 12x internally. A 2X possibly will work better internally or it won't matter as much. But if you're working on in a, in a, a more emotional, spiritual problems, you always want to administer the homeopathy topically. So if we understand that, then it doesn't take very much to contaminate the water that we're bathing with. And even if you have the best shower filter, if you have a hose or a shower head that has a washer that's plastic or rubber just by going through that it now reintroduces petroleum to the water and of course it off gases too but more importantly it changes the signature and the memory of the water and when that water touches your body now it's penetrating directly into your blood because there's no defense and it's interesting when i'm at shows and i give samples for cosmetics everyone wants to try it. But if I give them a capsule, they won't consume it unless they really know me or they know the company. Yet the capsule is safer in some ways than the cream that I would apply on their skin because the cream will penetrate. And if there's synthetics in the cream, now it's in your system.
0: Right. Isn't that interesting? So your skin, in other words, doesn't have a digestive system, right? It's just going. It's like a direct shot right. into your bloodstream. Whereas, if, like you said, if you swallow a pill, there's processes in your internal pipe that right. you've got there's to go protection. through. There's no protection, right? That's interesting. So,
1: when a snake bites, the first thing you should be doing is try to get the venom out and spit it out. But when you do get some venom in your saliva and it penetrates your system very often that won't kill you. It may get you dizzy because your body now is fighting it. But in your bloodstream, there's no body acids and there is no, uh, your, it's not just the acids, your whole beingness will fight that venom when it goes to your digestive system. But if it penetrates your blood, there is no protection, right. which is good if you're trying to administer homeopathy for a spiritual problem or psychological problem but very often, we're exposed with all these chemicals and vibrational problems to our skin that people just don't appreciate. So uh, at Omica recently, we and I've been working on this for some time, uh, we now are introducing a unit that looks like something you would find at Home Depot. So, so you walk by the booth, and say, well, why would I buy a, a shower hose that looks like anything I could buy at Home Depot or any a major department store? The difference is inside, we are not using plastic. We are using a silicone tube. And the silicone tube can handle higher heat. So it won't off-gas and it won't put as much signature. There is some signature in there. It's not as pure as the water just gushing out. But it won't uh, damage the signature as much as the plastic will.
0: So when I think a lot of people don't realize, like even staying here at the hotel, um, that we're in the the first day that I checked in, there happened to be no water. It was all shut down. And you had mentioned like, oh, we got to get you one of the new filters to try out. And I used to travel with my own filter at hotels because at home I filter my water uh, in the shower and have for years with varying degrees of success. But I don't think a lot of people realize, even people that wouldn't drink tap water don't realize like how much of that nasty municipal water you're taking in when you're in a shower right. through through the gases and through your skin. It's really, really crazy. I see people, um, I go to a, a, a hot spring spa. This is a geothermal hot springs called Beverly Hot Springs, by the way. We'll put it in the show notes if you're in LA. It's fantastic. But they have a steam room. And one day I asked them, I said, is the steam coming into the steam room LA tap water or is it the same spring water? And they're like, no, it's tap water. Oh, I go, God, no. who would ever go in? A, you know, you're going in there for a health purpose, right? It's okay. like you're literally going in voluntarily into a gas chamber. I mean, it's not as but bad as a gas chamber ch- in a concentration camp, but it's like I wouldn't step foot in there. But yet uh, even if you're aware of that, at home you're doing the same thing. Like when I shower at the hotel, I just take a cold shower because I don't want to inhale that steam. And what I found is from years of filtering the shower at home, then when I would go to a hotel and turn on the hot water, I mean, it burns my eyes, it burns my nose, which would be a normal reaction if you weren't acclimated to it. If you take like a baby and give it a bath in that water, I mean, to me, it's almost like child abuse. And I'm not even being extreme, I don't think.
1: Well, you look healthy and I think you are healthy, but if... There are there is a good majority of uh, unfortunately uh, humans that are not, and they suffer more than you do because they are much more sensitive. I would say a good forty percent, and some in some countries even higher. Um, that are that I call them canaries. Sometimes when I want to test a product, I have a few friends and I will uh, share some, and they can tell if they feel the difference, if they're getting a headache and they are the ones that when they shower they can't sleep their their mood elevations disrupted their liver pancreas everything is disrupted and uh, they don't know why they don't attribute it to the shower uh, but uh, very many know that they can't shower at night they will shower in daytime because they know if they shower at night they can't sleep well that's your signal that's your uh, clue right there so if people would just listen to their bodies uh, l- just a little bit more uh, they can at least adapt better if they don't know how to change things so, because your sleep is crucial so if the shower is ruining your sleep then shower in the morning at least you need to get that good sleep yeah. it's interesting that, because i saw this happen to someone years ago and i never understood why she showered in the mornings she couldn't shower at night and now i realize i just wish i knew what i know now to help her And also, uh, I want to mention, in the water, I have installed a very unique copper wire, copper tube, uh, with a special vortex. And its purpose, again, including the Shungite in the filter, is to get rid of the memory. First, we have to get rid of the memory, and then we have to try to keep it there. Because you have all the chemicals that we're trying to work with, and very often there's radiation problems in water, so what we want to do is try to get rid of the memory, which is the homeopathic damage water has. So uh, through this tube with the wires and the size of the tube, the way we designed the tube and the shungite in the filter, and there's a little bit of zeolite in there too, my hope is to get rid of any memory of radiation also. So when I first developed this filter, my office was in Las Vegas, and I knew I was zapping myself every time I took a bath. Because of
0: the nuclear testing in Nevada? Nuclear
1: testing. And people don't realize they blame Fukushima so many thousand miles away, uh, and they don't blame what has been happening in the U.S.,
0: yeah. underground I, and above ground. Someone told me that there's a, uh, and I have yet to Google it, but you can Google like a map yes. of all of the, the nuclear tests that have it gone on like, in the world. Geez, it looks
1: like It looks like the surface of the <laughs>
0: I've, moon. I've, I keep forgetting. We're going to put that in the show notes. We'll find it. But yeah, I mean, just in California, being right next to Nevada, I mean, how many literally nuclear, yes. you know, mini holocausts have we almost had Right in our back and door. It's, you can it's actually insane. see the
1: days that the, the detonations happened and which way the, the wind was blowing on that specific day. There's actually charts. And you can see very often going north, so ruining entire Nevada and west and even Mexico and then east. So even without that, the underground testing that were done, the, all the water underground in these expensive hotels, <laughs> you're getting zapped. Right. Take your filter with you. So... Yeah, so but I'm not saying it's going to with that much contamination, I'm not saying it's
0: going to 100%, of course, yeah. but it will help. That is officially not a health claim. <laughs> By yeah. the way, let's just state that. But for for people listening that to me, I mean, I understand some of the more esoteric elements that we're discussing like, you know, the memory of the water, but just just to frame it for the listener that might not know what the hell we're talking about, think about water, and I want to get your opinion on this, of course, too, but think about water in nature. When water travels down a stream or a river, it literally travels in a spiral, and it never, ever hits a right angle, but when you have water that's coming into your home it's constantly traveling at right angles right through the pipes, which would never ever, ever be possible for one second in nature, so you're taking this water that that does have this sort of DNA imprint and this life force to it, and it does have its own kind of personality if you will, and you're Changing that by, you know, our modern life. And so what was once water at its source, by the time it gets to your shower head or your tap is kind of not really water anymore yeah. in the truest sense. It's almost like a scientific byproduct or a laboratory version of H2O, not really actual natural water. Is that, right. I mean, is I that how you look at it?
1: Correct. At the same time, uh, there's no other way to deliver water. What do you do? I mean, uh, we have to change the entire pipe system, and we can introduce vortexes in them. But unfortunately, the entire world plumbing system is what it is. If we had to do it again, I think one could use Schauberger's ideas, even going back further with Goethe. There's so much there. But the fact of the matter is we are stuck with a system. And this system is creating a homeopathic effect because there are some still that do not believe homeopathy works. There is an attack on homeopathy all over the world by the medical establishment, but it's a fact. Homeopathy does work, but at the same time, homeopathy also has can destruct. And what we're doing with our water is the destructive element of homeopathy by zapping our body with memory that is dead and very often has signatures that are very harmful. Even if we're not sensitive to it, it is harming us, but to sensitive people, it's affecting them even more. So, in this filter, besides the elements that are used to help reduce chlorine and ammonia, I've added the copper tube, but now we've also introduced a shower head that has two vortexes in there, all brass, and the first will. The term, because you have to have at least two vortexes. One is just not enough. So you turn the water this way and then the other way. So now we're he's getting rid of the memory again. He's,
0: he's making a corkscrew shape. By the way, when he said this way and then that way, it's like imagine a corkscrew going into a wine cork. It's, that's, that's the natural sort of right. pathway of water in nature.
1: And here again, I, I just introduced the shower head and uh, we were trying to price it. And... Um, I looked at, uh, there's a couple of technologies, one from Russia, one from Germany, and, and they have uh, shower heads that I think they are quite incredible from what they seem uh, very expensive. And uh, I priced this shower head at the same price of what a, a brass shower head would cost. So I didn't add 200 300 dollars to it because now I have this magical uh, vortexes that are happening. Because I'm a big believer that uh, one has to charge a fair price for everything. Just because you have instruments and supplements that have incredible uh, benefits, charge what is fair. And that's something that I'm uh, very, very adamant on. And this is also true with practitioners. That, let's say if you do massage work, you charge 75 100 an hour, that's fine. But just because now you have special abilities, special skills... You know, you've developed because of your past life or what you've achieved uh, in this life, don't charge 500 for it. Charge what you would have without the gifts. Because when you charge more, you will lose the gifts.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a, an amazing business model with the business that I have. We, from the very beginning, had the idea that we want to give 10 times the amount of value as what the customer is getting monetarily, right? So if we're charging $5,000 for a course, for example, we want that to be $50,000 or whatever the math would be in value. And it seems like if you look at it from a business perspective that, oh, well, you're losing money then, yeah. but you're putting so much positive energy and positive karma out that it's like, I really believe with that you know, sort of way of thinking, that ethos, that your business is almost immune to failure because of the immense amount of value that you're putting out. Maybe not immune, that might be overstating it, but yeah. I agree that a fair price to the company and to the owner and to the customer, but I would even say leaning toward the customer's benefit And right. my experience has proven to be um, successful. And right. I've, you know, I've lasted for eight years doing that because I know that we're giving 110%. It's sort of like the Napoleon Hill principle of going the extra mile. It's like mm. your customer's not really going to know if you don't put that... If you put a plastic you know, uh, washer in there versus silicone, it's like, what do they know? It costs me more to put the silicone, but you can put the silicone and not charge more even though you could. It's like those little nuanced decisions that add value to the customer experience. I believe
1: over 90% of our customers that use our shower filters do not know that there's a copper tube in there with a vortex that's handmade. You can't just produce them. And it's raised my cost dramatically doing that. Right. Very often, that unit there is probably costing me as much as a shower filter that's being produced in China, which most companies are paying for. But uh, to me, it's very important that I know I can do it, so I've done it. So the filter we priced at the same price as a shower filter would. The shower head at $100 is a price for a brass Showerhead of this size is exactly what a brass showerhead would be, very often $150, 200 for a similar showerhead without the vortexes. So again, uh, this is a, a delicate matter, but to me and to our team at Omica, it's very important that we do this. And very often we don't get to speak about it because I don't normally... To interview.
0: I know, so, <laughs> it's yeah. taken me a long time to get, you, <laughs> to get you sat down in a room with a recording device. While we're on that, I want to make sure, because I know we could go off on a tangent, I want to make sure that I cover something that I've had some great conversations with you about and I think would really benefit the listener, and that is the science of stevia. I think now more and more people are becoming aware that refined sugars and even sugars that are in a natural state that have a really high glycemic index are generally not so good for you. And people are very keen on stevia. I mean, I see little packets of white stevia in normal restaurants and it's becoming uh. you know, a big, a big industry. And um, just from a taste perspective, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in front of me, but I've never tasted stevia that actually taste good except for omica's stevia. And so you guys are on to some formulation or some way that you're making this that you're making something that actually tastes good. So I'll get a bottle and it lasts me months, whereas if I get some diluted cheap, you know, grocery store brand, generic brand stevia, it just it tastes bitter. It doesn't last and it's just it's obviously inferior. So take us you know, without making health claims, or I know you're very conscious of other companies. You don't want to put anyone down or anything like that. But just from a scientific standpoint, where does stevia start? It's, I understand it's a plant, like a green leafy plant, because I've gotten it in its raw form. What's the process from growing a stevia plant as an herb and then turning it into a powder or a liquid that one could use to sweeten their foods without the negative effects of sugar?
1: As there's a few questions there, but uh, I'll start saying that Omica is privileged because we're also a bulk reseller. So we work directly with the manufacturer and the growers of the stevia, which most companies don't have that privilege. And we were the first company that actually developed organic stevia. The problem is uh, it could be manyfold. One is the quality and the variety of the stevia. And of course, it has to be organic because we don't want the pesticides, but you could have a, a stevia that's not organic, that tastes good. The, the damage really happens when the production goes from the green stevia leaf powder, which we also now are marketing, just introduced it a few weeks ago. And the reason I couldn't uh, market the green stevia leaf powder, because when it's not an extract, And it's just a leaf powder or a root powder, let's say ginger root powder, and it's organic. Most companies in India or China, they will zap the powders with radiation, which is how they control yeast and mold and bacteria. Well, in organic, you can't zap the powder if it's leaf or root. So the chances of pathogenic uh, is much greater. So that's, that's a big hurdle to pass, which is why Omica has not marketed root powder or leaf powder of anything, uh, because I understood the, the hurdles. Now we have a dry steam sterilization, which can eliminate almost all the pathogens, which is the only way you can really address the issue without radiation. So it retains the color, it retains the smell. But your question in regards to the liquid stevia, most companies in the marketplace, they use a white powder stevia, which we also market in bulk, and then they liquefy it, dissolve it in water, add preservatives, add flavoring, and call it still liquid stevia extract, which technically it is. But you would think when you're purchasing a liquid stevia extract that you're really getting something more than buying a powder yourself and adding it to water. Because if you were to buy the white powder, and we also sell the white powder in retail size too, it's much more economical to buy the white powder. You can create so many two-ounce liquids with it.
0: It's really potent. I just, for the first time, got some of your powder, and it's it's taken me about a month to figure out how to not put too much in a smoothie. I mean, it says, like, use sparingly, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll put a tablespoon or whatever. I put a couple little shakes. I mean, literally, like... I mean, a pinky nail is too sweet for like a whole Vitamix full. Most
1: formulas, they use 0.0 to 0.03%. So you have to have a scale. And if you you put 0.1, you've already put too much. So the dilemma is I can add carriers in there, but if I did, then it looks like I'm trying to cut... The stevia, most companies do add carriers. I felt, well, let's give the real stevia. We're one of the few companies that do give 100 percent pure stevia extract. But that white powder stevia, the reason is also uh, doesn't have the aftertaste, because uh, when you make the stevia extract, the first production, you'll get around a 40 rebogicide A. That's how we standardize stevia. Our stevia, we get about 52 because of the variety. But to go from 52 to 85 and 98 Reb A, which is how we standardize stevia through its ribogicide. and ribogiosides are stevia glycosides. There's the ribogicide A, B, C, D, but uh, we want to have higher A and the lower of the C, especially. So when we go from 52 to 85 or 98 Reb A, which normally a manufacturer would use. Uh, for very, very clean taste. We have to use organic ethanol. That is the only way you can produce organic stevia extract. But most companies, even sometimes I've heard organic, by using methane. Methane is a very, very important. So when they use methane, they can go from 40 to 85 with one process. But when we use ethanol, we have to go through three, four, five processes and productions, literally, to reach there. So the cost to use ethanol, organic ethanol alcohol, is much more expensive to use ethanol than methane. So you you could cut down your production cost in half by using methane instead of ethanol. But by using methane, you get this very bitter aftertaste.
0: Yeah, that's what I've noticed. It t- like, If I just buy some cheap stuff at the grocery store when I'm traveling or something, it has almost like a sweet or Aspartame kind of taste. I mean, it tastes very synthetic. And that I think that turns a lot of people off to the idea it of using does. a sweetener. like it that. It
1: really has hurt the sales of Stevia because people, some people just hate it. They don't even want to try Stevia. I'm talking about not just consumers, even uh, formulators. I have to convince them to give this Stevia a chance because they've had such negative experiences. And people's psyche works that way. Once you hate something, that's it. It's going to take a miracle to change that. So that's the white Stevia dilemma. Now, in the regards to the liquid stevia, again, as I mentioned, most companies will buy a stevia very a white powder stevia very often with an aftertaste, and make a liquid. The reason you would want to buy a liquid stevia and pay top dollar for it instead of buying a white powder where you could make 10 liquid two ounces with, for the same price. One ounce powder stevia, 12 dollars, you can make 12 to 15 bottles, depending how much you use of two-ounce bottles. Yeah, you're paying the same price. And now you're buying a liquid stevia that has preservatives in there and very often flavoring. Why would you do that? But you don't know that as a consumer because when you read the label, it says liquid stevia
0: extract. This is why we have this show, Rafi. (laughs) This is the kind of information I love to get out. uh, Yeah, it's great.
1: Because we have access to the manufacturer at the level we do, we actually bring in the liquid stevia in drums. And we bottle them here and we add essential oils to it as our flavoring. So basically this liquid stevia is the production of the white powder before it's filtered further and then spray dried. But when we filter it further and sprayed right, even though we're cleaning the taste even further and further and refining it, we lose the micronutrients. And that's something that we don't address because we're selling it as a sweetener. But uh, you will not be able to re- achieve the micronutrients in the white powder. It's just... I didn't even know that stevia inherently
0: had uh, micronutrients. Interesting. It
1: does. It has some very interesting uh, micronutrients. I highly suggest that you go on internet and research it. Oh, that's but, cool. Uh, so, and then you also get a fuller taste when it's the liquid. When it's a powder, it's uh, very, very clean, but very... Very flat. I've noticed that, yeah. But a liquid extract—it's—it's—and a real liquid extract that has not been processed, that's not made from the white powder, should have orange blossom aroma. That should be in the liquid stevia.
0: And what's the deal with? I see this in a lot of health supplements and you know, quote unquote, health foods. And specifically, a lot of stevia will have something called glycerin. And I've spoken to you about that before. And from what I recall you mentioned that that is typically something that's a byproduct of the petroleum industry or something yeah. weird like that yeah. what, what's the story on glycerin cuz i see it in so much stuff now that's uh, like glycerin or it's taken called a, vegetable glycerin or yeah. you know what's the deal with that particular oh, that's a big additive. subject
1: <laughs> there's a lot of misinformation about glycerin glycerin is an incredible element and humectant, and has many preservative applications, and it actually can deliver. When you use glycerin and you have an extract, it has an incredible delivery ability to penetrate the blood-brain barrier. So I'm a big believer in glycerin, and there's a lot of attacks on it which I feel are unfounded. At the same time, most glycerin in the marketplace, when it says vegetable glycerin, that's usually soy. Because uh, soy glycerin, the FDA allows companies to not mention the word soy because there's no allergens in glycerin. There are no phytates. So uh, even a person that's allergic to soy cannot have the allergic reaction from soy glycerin. So the FDA allows companies to claim vegetable glycerin. Having said that, vegetable glycerin, you can purchase in bulk for dollar fifty, dollar forty a kilo, two point two pounds. So how do you think you can get a substance at dollar fifty a kilo? That's because it's a byproduct. So it used to be a byproduct of soap in the 90s and 80s. Now it's a byproduct of biofuel industry because biofuel is huge in India and they're, they're proud of it. The biofuel industry feels that now they're more green because. Their byproduct now is being consumed. But I don't think they realize that it's being consumed internally. They feel that it's being consumed topically, I assume. Because the biofuel industry does not have to be careful about how much methane and hexane they use because it is for combustion. So the glycerin is produced the cheapest manner and to get the highest yield. So that glycerin yields an 80% glycerin. And then these companies will get this glycerin for almost nothing because they're trying to get rid of it and filter it to where now they can market it. And at fifty, I assume these companies know it's a byproduct. But very often you'll find organic glycerin in the marketplace that's conventional, that's being sold as organic in North America. And the problem is it's very difficult to pinpoint the hexane and methane in laboratories because they dissipate. It's very difficult to prove that hexane methane was used.
0: And those are things that, by the way, listeners, you don't want in your body. (laughs) Those are solvents and things that would probably be not so good for your health, right?
1: Correct, but this is a good example how even though the solvent has dissipated, the signature is there. And there's actually laboratories in India that uh, research has shown that they can show the enzymatic change in the glycerin. Because even though we can't prove that uh, methane is in there, there's enzymatic changes. But this lab test costs over $10,000 to achieve. Well, if you do a production, you need at least two tests. So now you already spent $20,000 doing this test, which uh, most companies cannot afford. So it's a very difficult problem, the glycerin problem. How do you prove the company has used hexane or methane?
0: Interesting. So, because the
1: homeopathic effect is there,
0: right? So, I mean, is this something like all this stuff? I mean, like you know, showering and tap water and all this stuff we're talking about. I mean, I think it's also important to not be neurotic and too paranoid about everything because that's unhealthy psychologically. But how? How you know? Dangerous might even be an extreme word, but how much would one want to avoid glycerin in their food? Is it that big of a deal or is it just like if you're going to make a stevia, it's not optimal to use this byproduct form of well, glycerin? I
1: use glycerin when I'm, we buy direct our organic glycerin from India and we make sure it's processed. It's called uh, sweet water technology. Sweet water fractionates uh, the soy or the coconut oil to where we're able to segregate the glycerin. And uh, the reason again, uh, soy is possible because soy meal is a huge byproduct of sweet water glycerin production, and there is a huge market for soy meal. So that is why organic soy glycerin is economic. A real organic soy glycerin. Um, that's why you can't find coconut glycerin. It's impossible. It would cost over sixty, seventy dollars a kilo. But at least with uh, soy organic the secondary market will absorb some of the costs. So we're able to market the organic soy glycerin that's sweet water technology processed uh, economically.
0: Cool. And so for people listening that are... Trying to lose weight or trying to regulate their blood sugar, uh, don't be afraid because you've tried. Just, this is just a message for me, your host here. Don't be afraid because you've had bad experience of stevia. I'm just like you have to try Omica stevia. It's a game changer, and it's so easy to be sugar free when you have like a good stevia around. So I just want to thank you for putting one on the market. And also, there's different flavors which are really good. You can get like the butterscotch. Um, and I'm not trying to make this an ad for Omica. I just believe in stuff, and when I do, I have to tell people. It's part of my job, but there's butterscotch vanilla, um, the blossom kind of fruit flavored one. It, correct. That's orange.
1: That's orange blossom essential oil. We call it sweet blossom. Right. Because right. we didn't want to call it orange because people expect to have an orange aroma, and it doesn't. It has a more of a blossom aroma, which is very popular in Europe and Asia, but in the US, it's not as popular. It's a very
0: special aroma that. To me, it's... It's so good. I use it when I make like a, you know, a wild berry smoothie or something like that. And people come to my house, I make them my smoothies, and they, like, I could bet them money that there's white sugar in the smoothie. I mean, it tastes so naturally sweet and amazing. So I'm a huge fan. Are there any other uh, flavors on the horizon? Actually, uh, we have three flavors uh, that will
1: be available within two weeks. One... It's going to be revolutionary. It's uh, lavender, of all things, because we grow lav- or biodynamic lavender essential oil is what we're using. And now we've seen lavender beer in the market. There's a whole movement for lavender. We're not sure how successful it would be, but I'm having fun with it. So we will have lavender, and we're introducing lemon myrtle essential oil, certified organic, From Australia, it's a beautiful essential oil. So we will be the same formula, the same exact uh, formulation for the uh, orange blossom, lavender, and peppermint essential oil. So um, there's no reason to use flavoring when you have beautiful essential oils that have beautiful benefits. So I try to use only organic essential oils because our finished product is organic. So why not use organic essential oils, not to ruin the vibration. Yeah, that's
0: that's the thing, you know, that in the health food industry, when you go into, you know, a store like Whole Foods and you find, once you find out that canola oil is an inferior, it's not even really a food, you know, and you see that in everything, you start to see it. And I've noticed something in even in natural foods and quote-unquote health foods is like natural flavoring. And I remember reading a book years ago called fast food nation. And the writer, uh, went into these laboratories in New Jersey, you know, and, and looked at where they make natural flavoring. And there's some, there's some nuanced law there, you know, where you can call something a natural flavoring when in fact it's, it's not even derivative of something from nature at all. So you can't avoid everything and be paranoid, but If you like have a choice of having something that's flavored with an essential oil versus something made in a laboratory in New Jersey off the turnpike, like I'm going to go for the essential oil. It's like these small incremental decisions we make and then supporting businesses that go the extra mile. That's why I love having people like you on because it's like, I care about my health. I care about the people that I have over for a smoothie. And if it's like just picking one bottle or the other based on those micro decisions that the manufacturer has made and the care and love that they put into that, it's meaningful. And I think it's great to get that message out. Hey, if you're listening and you own a company, don't take a shortcut. Have integrity and make and manufacture products and supplements and foods that benefit someone holistically. And it will it will come back to you. You'll be rewarded by loyal customers like me that know the difference. And people are becoming much more intelligent, educating and discerning when it comes to what they're putting in their body. And now we have choices, which is awesome. Uh, That brings me to, there's a a couple other things I want to cover really quick before we wrap up. There's one thing that, that you make that I'm also totally addicted to, and that's your turmeric extract. Oh, yes. And that's like, I mean, by far above and beyond. It's like really next level stuff. And again, super, super concentrated and potent. I've made the mistake of getting it on my clothes. Like it's, It's like oil-based paint almost. I mean, that's how, you know, just the pigmentation in there. Why would one want to uh, take an extract of turmeric or just that herb or that vegetable, whatever the hell it is, it's some kind of root. Why would someone want to add that to their diet? And um, what makes your extract so unique?
1: Uh, Turmeric, curcumin is huge now. I would say it's the biggest thing on the market. And there's ample... Evidence, the anti-inflammatory applications. So it's a word that I can use. There's so much support for it. And inflammation is the root of many, many uh, illnesses, as we know. But what I want to address here is the confusion again. Here we have the same confusion. You can Google on the internet organic curcumin. And you see all these companies are selling organic curcumin capsules. Now you look at the label. It's very important. And the label, it says organic turmeric root powder, comma, curcumin 95%, nor organic. Well, the real active in a formula is the curcuminoids. The root powder, you can go ahead and supermarket, eat a whole ginger root this much to get any benefit. So by organic root, ginger root powder, there's very little value there. The real supplement, which is why you're paying such high price for is the curcumin. Well, the curcumin is not organic. Yet all these companies in the middle panel, which is illegal by the organic board, you can't use the word organic in the middle panel if your formula is not on, organic. On the label, you mean? On the label. Okay. okay. In the middle panel, it says organic turmeric, which is true, comma, curcumin. And in the search Sneaky. engines...
0: Uh, you Sneaky st- bastards. See, that's what I don't like. I don't like being duped when I'm a consumer and I'm buying something. I'm paying a lot of money for it and I'm expecting a certain degree of transparency and honesty in what I'm buying. So so carry on. I love, I love finding out the inside scoop and sharing but that. This
1: is the same dilemma that you find in Stevia. Well, uh, do you want to buy curcumin liquid, uh, in this case, let's say, uh, for a high price where it's made with... Curcumin from powder, first of all, dissolved in glycerin or alcohol, which is what most companies are selling. They're buying a powdered turmeric curcumin, which is not organic, which means methane and hexane are used, very often methane. And we all know, you can Google the problem with turmeric curcumin, the absorption is very, very poor, sometimes 2-3%. So uh, if I'm buying a liquid curcumin, I want to know that I'm getting a liquid curcumin that's going to be more bioavailable. I don't want a curcumin from a powder where methane is being used and now a product that has very poor absorption in my liquid. So what we've done again, because of our ability to work direct with the manufacturer, we have introduced the first liquid turmeric curcumin that is certified organic, but we also now have organic curcumin 85% curcumin, that's certified organic. So these companies that in the past had to be more creative in their labeling because there just wasn't and isn't an organic curcumin powder in the marketplace. Now we have organic curcumin. But having said that, since we're discussing the liquid, uh, we use a resin of curcumin, and that resin naturally has the turmeric Oil still intact. The turmeric oil is rich in tumeruns, has almost no curcumin. But the tumeruns are crucial for the absorption of the curcumin, because the tumorons are very bitter. Curcumin is not that bitter. That bitterness helps the absorption of curcumin. Companies will normally add black pepper, and very often they will add too much black pepper. Black pepper is a very, very delicate uh, element that can accelerate and accelerate in ways sometimes that we don't know what the effects will be, especially in people that are very sensitive and have sensitive esophagus. So if I was to use black pepper, I would want to use very, very, very little acidified organic black pepper. And then I would prefer to use turmeric oil. You can use ginger. Ginger also has that bitterness without uh, all the headaches of black pepper. So again, uh, why use the powder? I have access to both. In this case, I'm using the resin. When you make a liquid supplement, you're expecting that the product is liquid to begin with. You don't want to know that a powder was used to make the liquid. Because if that's the case, it's cheaper for the consumer to buy the powder and make their own liquid at home without the preservatives, without the flavor.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're essentially just paying for water. You're <laughs> really like water weight, right? <laughs> right. Um, and, and
1: you have preservatives in there because preservatives are always in there or else they're using glycerin. And I know a few companies using glycerin. It's not even organic. So <laughs> you're paying for a byproduct glycerin very often in a very expensive product that you just paid for. You could just as well go out there and buy a raw ginger and make your own juice.
0: There's another concern that I have in terms of um, ginger to a degree, but also turmeric is that oftentimes, by the time at least it arrives in California from Fiji or whatever it is that's been grown, it's really moldy. I mean, I've gone to very high-end health food store. Oh, it's turmeric season somewhere in the world and they've shipped it over here and I start digging through the roots and they're literally covered in mold. And they don't even take them off the shelf. So yeah. I've I've ordered um, you know for example just powdered turmeric from India you know which has probably been irradiated yes. and who knows if those were moldy roots and then they just you know grind them up turn them into a powder it's like. I'm I'm very sensitive to mold, and it's something I'm becoming increasingly aware of, just in commodity bulk foods like that. And so, it's a problem. I think that's a that's an it's issue too. It's something that grows underground, like peanuts, roots, things like that, are very susceptible to mold. As
1: I mentioned, even stevia, we were not marketing any powdered stevia. So the difference is when it's a powder, that is a raw powder it is more apt to develop pathogens than an extract powder because when it's extracted, usually high heat is used or uh, ethanol is used. In the process, the pathogens are killed. But when you just have a raw root powder or a leaf powder, the only thing that these companies do in Asia is to radiate it. If you're seeing mold on it, that means it hasn't been radiated. So that's the good news. The bad news is you're yeah, not yeah, getting right. mold.
0: Right, Unless right.
1: they have in-house uh, dry steam sterilization, which is a very expensive proposition, and most small farmers cannot afford a dry steam sterilization in-house because you can't have 10,000 kilos of something and then ship it across your village to another village to dry steam sterilize because now you have problems already, you have to bag them. When you bag them, it doesn't sterilize as well. You have to be able to sterilize in-house. That means you have to be a fairly good-sized company that has uh, good enough funding to where you can buy a dry sterilization, which most companies don't. That's a problem. So uh, it's it's a Russian roulette when you're buying a raw, especially when it's not organic, but again, very often organic has a similar problems because with the organic there's more regulation; it can't be zapped. Now you could have more pathogens, so it has to be dry steam sterilized. I hate to put fear in people because I think fear. It very often can do more damage. <laughs> That's than what I mean. The, the
0: neurosis yeah. is worse for you than just eating, you know, yeah. bad food. But I, I like to make the distinction, Rafi, between fear and awareness. You know, it's like I'm aware of a lot of these things, but hey, I took a shower this morning in tap water. I'm fine. I lived. It's okay. Whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like you still have to live your life, but if you can make minute little decisions between, you know, one practice and another, one brand and another. It's good to be informed, and then at least you make an educated decision. I mean, there's nights I go out and I decide to eat half a loaf of gluten French bread at a nice restaurant, and it's delicious, and I love it, and I don't hate myself, I don't feel guilty, yeah. I enjoy it. If but, I get a little indigestion the next day, I know why, and I get on, you know, I get on with my life. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to live in a bubble or live in a cave. But I think awareness is a really important that's principle. That's a
1: very good point because the paranoia could do more damage than not eating
0: totally and i've you know i I've, I've been in the health scene for a long time and i've i've personally gone the spectrum of being super paranoid and erotic about everything and have had to find some balance and kind of swing the pendulum back in the middle. But I'm still furthering my education. And if I'm at the store and I can choose between one thing or another, it doesn't take any more time or energy to just read a label really quick and go, ah, no, nope, no, nope. I see some loopholes there that you know it has something suspect in it. And I'm just going to choose the other one that's maybe a couple dollars more expensive, but I know the company is trustworthy and has integrity.
1: Right, well, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and um, I also,
1: I uh, want to say that I don't like to name companies like some companies do. I think it's very poor marketing when you name other companies and you're in the business yourself. Now you can name the companies because you're not in the business, but for someone like me, I cannot name companies. Of course. Names. Well, you're a, cl-
0: you're a class act. I mean, but that's I've like. I've seen
1: it happen, yeah. and I see it happening, and I. Don't think that's a good business practice.
0: It's politicizing, you know, which is not fun for anyone to listen to. But as you said, me being a neutral party, I'm happy to call a company out if I think they're being deceptive or dishonest or selling something inferior. And it's not, you know, it's not name calling or. Being negative, it's just my perception or my opinion or an observation. Uh, last thing I wanted to cover, there's just so many interesting things that you're into. It's difficult to pare them down, but um, something I used to order from you guys in bulk, I don't know if you even do this, they were like these 50-pound bags of magnesium <laughs> magnesium uh, flakes. Yeah. Uh, like kind of, you know, dead sea salt type situation, and I would take baths with them, and I know you still, you still manufacture that, and magnesium is something that, is building you know there's more of a public awareness around people being so deficient in that because it's not in our soil and it's not in our diets etc. So what's the deal with taking baths saturated in magnesium?
1: Well uh, actually uh, it's very effective you can take a bath with it but I'm actually more impressed with foot baths. With foot baths you can actually use much higher dosage of magnesium than you could bathing because your upper torso upper body is going to be more sensitive Whereas if it's just your feet, you can actually have higher so dosage. So you can get
0: good absorption just from your feet?
1: Well, it's not just absorption. You're, you're doing much more than absorption when you use higher dosage. Uh, but what you want to make sure, the, the foot bath unit uh, does not have any lead. Uh, and uh, if it's a wooden unit, there's the glue has to be natural glue. There cannot be any varnish if there is. It has to be natural food-grade varnish. So I don't like wooden tubs. I'm working on wooden tubs. I'm still not comfortable with it yet. Uh, It's it's much more difficult to put a good wooden tub together. But what uh, we've done recently is introduce uh, lead-free, hand-hammered foot bath units from India. And they're a great, great investment because you'll have it for life. And once you use this unit... uh, it's interesting. Is I don't suggest that one share this. Once you use a foot bath copper unit, that's yours. You cannot share it with your partner or even your children.
0: I like the sound of that. I don't. I don't know <laughs> that I want to be putting my mix. For some reason, I don't want to mix my feet with other people's feet. Just anyway for some reason. And there's
1: esoteric reasons for it too which I won't go into but uh, this is a very delicate it actually could be fun uh, when you can sit in your backyard with your partner and your family and do a foot bath. It's actually a, a very interesting way to bring the family together.
0: And so, in the foot bath, we're putting a high concentration of essentially dissolved magnesium flakes.
1: Not just magnesium, there's in magnesium flakes, or mag, it could also be liquid magnesium. Uh, you're going to have magnesium chloride with over 70 trace minerals. Normally, we do laboratory testing for around 48 or 50, but there's all the trace minerals in ocean water you're going to find in inland ocean trace minerals. I prefer inland trace minerals rather than ocean dehydrated because in the oceans now we have more problems. Whereas inland ocean trace minerals, uh, they're derived from underground, so they're more protected from the damage that's Happened. Right,
0: that is an ancient seabed where there's mineral deposits and they haven't yet been exposed to the industrialized world, right? So right. you're digging that up and you're getting something from a couple the, hundred thousand years ago or correct. longer. It's that's right. that's unadulterated by air pollution, water pollution, ground pollution. But the only thing you
1: can really look for something like this, because it's not an organic harvested material, is uh, kosher. I really respect Uh, the kosher concepts, because in kosher, there cannot be any cross-contamination. In a situation like this where the material is literally mined or is harvested from the ground, the only thing we can do is make sure, and we in this case, we make sure that our facility was inspected and follows all the kosher rules of no cross contamination. And then the facility where we rebottle it, because we bring it in in huge totes, that is also kosher. Because that's one thing you can do when you're dealing with minerals. Whereas organics, you, we can make sure the farmer is organic with minerals. I believe in this case, kosher is a very, very important element.
0: Awesome, thanks for sharing that. So when we're doing magnesium oil or magnesium foot baths, that's a way that we can introduce or reintroduce some of these minerals, such as magnesium and all these other ocean trace minerals, back into our system. Uh, not really, actually. I mean, that's what I, he- you know. The- now, now, when you're doing hot water, see, okay. hot, uh, and
1: when you go into hot water and you're going into the Beverly Hills Hot Water Facility, the body is uh, releasing, is detoxing. Okay. When you go into cold water, your body absorbs.
0: Are you serious? Oh yeah. no! Because I always think when I go in, because I do a cold plunge and it's it's got bromine in it, and I'm always like, ah, it's okay because my pores are closed. I'm not absorbing that bromine. Yeah. So you're saying it was actually be the opposite. The opposite. Yes. Damn it! I hate it when I find out things like that. Yeah, uh, that's And I always good think in work. a hot springs, I always think, oh, this is great. My pores are opening. I, I'm absorbing all of these great minerals from the hot springs. It doesn't yeah. actually work that actually, way. Actually, the
1: best time to spray uh, hydrosols or essential oils after you take a bath because your pores are open. Right. But again, hot water uh, will absorb things out. That's why when you sit in hot steam, uh, hot baths, you will uh, get tired and sleepy because you're being weakened. Your body is releasing. Very often, it's not a good idea to do a hot bath every day because it can take too much out of you.
0: Interesting. interesting. That's why
1: I like copper, in this case, the foot bath, because copper is very interesting. The copper itself participates in this whole drama, cool. which I can't go into detail here, but uh, the shape of the copper and the, the lead-free copper is crucial for this. But Whereas when you do a full bath, again, you can't... You can't. Uh, you have to be more careful because now you're dealing with your upper body. With the foot bath, uh, very often I'll throw some herbs in there. Uh, In this case now, we have a a combination with rosemary, biodynamic rosemary from our farm, or lemon and orange peel, certified organic, into the... But you can be creative. If you find some native leaves from your backyard, throw them in there, as long as they're not poisonous. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, you you could really have fun with foot baths, but I'm I'm not sure if I can make the same suggestion in a full body bath. Yeah. And also, in a full body bath, you can clog your... Plumbing, uh, whereas in a foot bath, it's easier to be more creative.
0: Awesome. All right, so Rafi, in closing, I'd like to ask you a three-part question, um, and you can answer this briefly. Give me three. Am I going
1: to win something? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> so I'm not going to win it. No, you're not. Well, but it's you know no you, you've been our teacher today. We've learned so much from you over the years. I've learned so much from you. What are three books or teachings that you could mm. recommend to our listeners that they might be able to learn some of the things you've learned? You m- I mentioned. I don't read books. Okay. I haven't in years. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah,
1: I did a lot of my homework early on a lot of uh, the work I do is uh, I I study Steiner's works without Steiner Um, there's a lot of books you can read of Steiner but they can be very difficult Uh, there's a lot of good biodynamic books that uh, you can google and find I'm a a big advocate of uh, biodynamics but again I haven't read any biodynamics books in years but I started very young so I did my reading the first 20 years and since then, I've been just living it. Cool. Uh, but uh, you can learn so much reading just biodynamic books. Uh, and it's not just farming. You can learn concepts of life in general when you start understanding the rhythms of the year, the rhythms and cycles of the world we live in. Uh, and, and once you understand these rhythms and you connect with them, uh, your health will change.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Rafi. I'm well, sitting here. I'm like, I'm watching the clock. I'm like, we're cool. And I realize I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, that's why I said I'm being t- full disclosure here. I'm like, uh, yeah, you can answer them quickly. I'm starting to sweat. I'm, I gotta run to the bathroom. But well, I want to tell you about my yeah. life now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> no, so funny. We that's never. Yeah, when I was five. No, keep those on for a sec, oh, though. Yeah, not. it's okay. Yeah, oh, I just I want my very <laughs> last thing. I want to say. That's funny. I've never had that happen. I love the spontaneity. Where can we find uh, your work and what you do? So. Is it omicoorganics.com yeah. yeah. Awesome, Omic- man.
1: Yeah, we're, we have quite a few hundred practitioners that sell our products, but the odds of you running into one is probably fairly small.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: But I can't tell you about my life story <laughs>
0: no, now. I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rafi. Great to see you, uh, man. And great to hear from you. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So I'm hoping that your head is spinning just a little bit after that interview. I know mine is. I'm feeling very well informed, if not even perhaps a little bit enlightened, and I wish you the same. I can't tell you how cool it is for a guy like me to be able to sit down with someone like Rafi and ask him anything that I want. Like, how dope is my life? very cool stuff. What an exciting year, 2017. It's been great so far. I'm looking forward to bringing you tons more guests and doing some really interesting things this year. I want to let you know, again, that if you get to my homepage, lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter, I'm going to send you a notification every week when I release a new show along with all the show notes. It's pretty awesome. And more than anything, I just want to thank you for listening, and I look forward to bringing you episode number 41 next week with natural movement guru, Katie Bowman. And that is one, my friend, that you do not want to miss. And while we're at it, why don't you just do yourself a favor and reach down to your device, whatever it is, and click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss next week's show or any of the other amazing shows to come. If you have some questions or even suggestions about the show, you can always submit them to info at Luke's. And if you're interested in going deeper down the rabbit hole and you'd like to do some one-on-one coaching with me, yours truly, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash coaching where we can work together remotely via Skype or maybe even in person if you're in the Los Angeles area. Before we bounce, I want to remind you one more time to go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke to check out this amazing device. And once you get there, please do yourself a favor and don't forget to enter the discount code story20 to save 20% off your order. It's a great device for jet lag and seasonal affective disorder. It's a way to put sunshine in your pocket. humancharger.com forward slash Luke.